What do you want? This is episode 15 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And this is a podcast where we are watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies in a row every single day. And for today, we have a special guest. I am also Jess Geyer. <laughs> we have the same voice. I'm Jackie Geyer, Jess's sister. I invited you specifically for this one, Jackie, because I remember watching it with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember, but honestly, I don't think I can trust my memories anymore after re-watching this movie <laughs> as an adult. I don't know what happened between my childhood and now that made me really love this movie so much, but it's... <laughs> It's something. You don't remember laughing uproariously at the fart jokes? <laughs> no, I do. And I still laughed at the fart jokes. <laughs> but but after that, I don't I I didn't laugh at, at much. I I think that we yeah. watched this movie more than once in our childhoods. Oh, absolutely. And I think back on my childhood to my the my favorite movies and this is definitely one of them somehow. Yeah. Well, Alex, do you want to tell us what this movie is? <laughs> we watched The Master of Disguise, starring Dana Carvey, a 2002 film um, that is supposedly a comedy. <laughs> and it is, I think, the worst movie I've ever seen. I did enjoy it less than Going Overboard. Which wasn't much of a movie. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now... <laughs> I don't remember why we liked it so much, Jackie. I don't know. And, you know, I still did kind of enjoy it when I was watching it. But I don't know if that was just because it was, like, nostalgic or if it's just better when you're, you've are you had a glass or two of wine while you're drinking it, too. But I say if I watched it for the first time as an adult, there's absolutely no way I would find anything enjoyable about this movie. No, I, Yeah, you that, know, that was my run through. I think what I found enjoyable was that you, Alex, found it so unenjoyable. It it was one of the most god awful experiences of my life. I I hated every minute of it. It was just unbelievably bad. Now, Jackie, is this your favorite uh, Adam Sandler related movie? Do you have any other feelings about Adam Sandler's body of work? Well, I would have thought that it would be my favorite, um, but after watching it, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I'd probably say that my favorite would be um, probably Happy Gilmore. I love Fifty First Dates too. You know, the wedding singer. It all is just you know nostalgic to me as a kid watching Adam Sandler movies. But I I don't think that they're particularly good movies. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think a that's fair too. A lot of them are not particularly good. It's really funny that you said it's nostalgic for you to watch Adam Sandler movies because I don't remember a lot of Adam Sandler movies being nostalgic. I don't remember watching a lot. I remember seeing "Don't Mess," you don't mess with the Zohan in theaters with you though. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> in fact, I have no idea. I can't recall a single memory from that movie. I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> I just remember that he's a hairdresser, and that's it. I I remember thinking that that movie was like like Adam Sandler's attempt at Borat. That's and I'm not sure if that's right. 
I know it wasn't like him doing a mockumentary, but I I just remember thinking that he's doing a Borat the whole time. He did he did kind of do a Borat. Which which sounds like an insult of some type. Anyhow, let me get into the 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 thick of it. This is a one star Sandler movie, which <laughs> is the level of importance this movie has to Adam Sandler's career because it was uh produced by Happy Madison and Adam Sandler's not in it and he doesn't uh write it. So that's where that sen- or stops. Um, and do you two want to guess how many times I laughed during this movie? You laughed three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, somewhere near there. Yeah, it was near there. It was two times. <laughs> two? Oh, no. <laughs> and once was because they quoted a song I kind of like. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly don't. I think the other one was just because I needed to relieve some tension. I I was laughing at every scene that I knew that you were cringing at. Yeah. I had such a fun time with that. And and every time there was an original song for like something oh related to Master of Disguise, God. I cracked up. It was so They're good. So bad. <laughs> um I was laughing and having a good time. Um I tried to get Keith, my fiance, to watch it with me. I was telling him, Oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> like I loved it for my childhood. You should watch it. Uh, he didn't, but he's like, oh, it sounded like it was a really good time. I'm like, oh, I mean, that's partly true. <laughs> I, uh, for reference, I laughed 43 times at Mr. Deeds. It is not oh. hard to make me laugh. This movie just, oh, man. Well, I think the thing is, is that it was designed for kids. I mean, Jackie and I, we watched yes. it when I was like 11 and you were like nine. I don't think it's fair to say I didn't really like this because it's aimed at kids. Because there's plenty of kids' movies I do like. I'm not a huge fan of, like, animated movies. But, like, every Disney Channel movie that involved, like, a middle schooler that really wants to be a good cook but is really good at (laughs) basketball. Like, those movies, I watched all of them and liked them. I I still could probably, like, get into it. This movie, I don't even think was for kids. I think that's just a lie based on the amount of terrible jokes in it. And like rampant racism and sexism, so I think that's that's hard to push. The this was definitely a kids movie, hundred percent thing. Yeah, there were some weird sexual moments in this movie. Like, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I also think that there are a lot of weird sexual moments in a lot of kids movies, especially in that time, like the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's. They're blatantly obvious in this movie. There's just so much focus on ass in this movie. It's just strange. It is literally more focused on ass than like the song Baby Got Back. (laughs) I was really expecting a Baby Got Back reference. Yep. It didn't happen. That would have been a good reference. What do you think the critics rating and the audience rating on this movie are? On Rotten Tomatoes. If the critics rating broke 20%, I will personally dig up Roger Ebert's grave. (laughs) I think it's got to be around 10%, to be honest. What about uh, audience score? Audience score? Do kids get to vote? Uh, There's 59,000 ratings. I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, 40%. (laughs) No, 30%. Oh, I don't know. I think probably more in the 20s. It seems to be really hated. Yeah. The audience score is 33%. Okay, okay. And the critic score is 1%. (laughs) (laughs) 
Who's the one and person? It's... Who's the one person? Yeah, I actually did some research on this one person because you know I had to. If you don't know how the Rotten Tomatoes thing works, it's whether or not they recommend the, the or not the movie. So this means one person's recommended this movie ever. Okay. And this this person is called Prairie Miller. Um, and they, they said Dana Carvey uh, got into some pixie dust and had a fun time. <laughs> Looking into the other things that she has rated, guess what movie uh, from 2014 she did not recommend? And I, there's no way you're going to guess that. It's Nightcrawler. You know, like the best movie of that year that was amazingly good. Well, maybe she was upset like me that it wasn't about the X-Men. Nope. She said it negatively portrayed the media. <laughs> <laughs> this is the dumbest critic i've ever heard oh, no. um and i hope someone like tells her how how she's harming people by saying this movie's recommended <laughs> that's 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 oh. exactly what mr deeds was against that's true and we did we did just release that episode i also wrote a list of i looked at the 100 worst movies uh ever and wrote down the ones I've seen that I think are personally better than this movie. <laughs> Which ones? Tell us, tell us. Uh, Reefer Madness is better. Okay, Superman yes. 4, Quest for Peace. Haven't seen it. Freddy Got Fingered is better than this movie. True. And so is Catwoman. Th- that one was hard to say. I don't know. I thought about it. I'd have to you go think... rewatch it. I'd have to rewatch it because it's been just as long since I've seen Catwoman as I've seen this movie. Catwoman is so bad it gets kind of good. <laughs> this movie is just straight depressing. Like, you know, Dana Carvey's known for impressions, right? Like, I know. That's but the his thing, thing is, like, this whole movie is just him doing impressions while in the background people don't laugh. Yeah, and also, they're bad impressions. He doesn't do them well for some reason. I do like that he shoehorns his George Bush impression <laughs> in at the end. <laughs> Because that's one he's known for. But, like, every impression was bad. Like, there's not a single good one. Like, his his Tony Montana was pretty bad. His Shrek was pretty good. I was going to say, Jessica, I think that's the only reason you liked this movie. (laughs) For the one second of Shrek reference in the beginning. Also, my favorite review of this movie I read talked about how it's pretty shameless he would... Uh, do a Mike Myers impression, given that at this point in time, Mike Myers and him were having a public feud about being like Mike Myers being like, I don't want to work with Dana Carvey anymore. Really? That's, yeah. that's interesting. So I want to give some context with to what Jackie just said. I used to insist that Jackie watched Shrek with me every time I would come home from college and also in high school to the point that she would get viscerally angry if I even brought up Shrek. One time I pulled off the DVD and she she yelled at me. I'm shaking right now at the thought of it. One time I was uh, we were going to watch a movie and Jess changed the <laughs> the programming on Hulu so that when I came back and clicked start on my movie, it wasn't my movie anymore and instead it was Shrek. <laughs> Why do you do this to people? <laughs> I really like it Shrek. A, I need to stop. An evil love of Shrek. <laughs> it is evil. I, it started up and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is Shrek. And then she's like, I don't think so. It says it's not right there. And then it was Shrek and I got pissed. <laughs> uh, you know, just like in Shrek, this movie, Master of Disguise, opens up with the book. 
Okay, yeah, do the recap. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first note here is that this movie opens up with a song that promises this is going to be fun. It lies. It also tells me that I'm going to come. I want to point that out. <laughs> it does. No. What? Yeah, the movie says you're, <laughs> you are or I am going to come is like the, the chorus of that song. Hold on, hold on. This is not a kid's movie. See you later. Tomorrow's calling. I've got to run. I'm so exciting. A little scary. I wish you could come. I wish you could. Maybe you could come. Okay. It doesn't sound as bad as what you originally said. From my feet to my fingers, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel, this is going to be fun. Well, that's that's glaringly obvious. (laughs) And then there's a little bit about gasoline in there, and I don't understand that bit, but I think it's pretty obvious. Well, um, we learn the disguises have a tradition of being masters of disguise. Uh, We see this when Bo Derek tricks Devlin Bowman. Who who plays Devlin Bowman? Devlin Bowman is uh, Brent. Oh, man, the, it's Data from Star Trek. His name is Brent Spiner, or Spinner. You're going to have to have the ID, IMDb page open because I don't have these actors. Yeah, I have it up. Also, I'm going to point out that the Bo Derek part was a reference to the movie 10, um, a movie I historically hate, and also a reference children won't get. That's true. Right. Also, I didn't know who Bo Derek was when I was 10. Jackie, do you know who Bo Derek is? No, I have no idea. And honestly, as a child, I don't think I'd get any of the references <laughs> no. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I knew George W. Bush, and that was it. And yeah, Shrek. that's it. I didn't know Scarface. Yeah. Like, uh, I think I would have gotten the Scarface one as a child. Um, and even at that age, I disliked Bush, so. Yeah, same. That's, that's two. <laughs> okay, well, Bo Derek is actually Fabrizio Disguise. Who's Fabrizio Disguise? That's James Brolin. Josh Brolin's brother? Uh, I would guess father based on their age. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll look it up. Thanos. Thanos Sr. (laughs) (laughs) He says that this life is no good for his son and he'll never tell him about their disguise tradition. Then there's a fast forward. This movie has like four different openings. There's a fast forward to now. Fabrizio now owns an Italian restaurant with his son, Pistachio, played by Dana Carvey. And Pistachio... Can He just can't fit in. He has a habit of mimicking and mocking people. Um, we also meet Barney Baker, played by, I believe, um, not not the Sprouse twins, because that was who played no, no. him it's, when it's he It's some kid. kid named Austin hmm. Wolf who never did anything else. Okay. Um, uh, Barney is a kid who sucks at skateboarding, and he is introduced as if he is going to be the love interest, because he's introduced right after Sophia, a big bottom woman who had fun with Pistachio at the bar last night, uh, came to tell him that she's just not interested in him and has a boyfriend. Who plays? Is that Melissa Tomei? No, it's Maria Canal Barrera. I, I don't know why I thought it was Marissa Tomei at first. I was just very confused by the giant prosthetic ass. Oh, it's it's the mom from Wizards of Waverly, Waverly Place. I should have known that. Okay. We also meet the cuteness who has a dog that has absolutely no bearing in the story at all. And doesn't do anything is just there. Pistachio just gives away his dog to this child. <laughs> like he's in the kid's place at the end. Pistachio's mama and papa are kidnapped, and Pistachio's grandpa, played by Harold Gould. Harold Harold Gould, yeah. Um, who is also the narrator of this movie because the movie needs a narrator for some reason. 
Because it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, So his grandpa comes to help him and teach him the ways of being a master of disguise. He's given a... a Pistachio is given a pop-up how-to book that contains information that you apparently can't go against, such as how only a son can save his mama and papa with no help from the grandfather. It's It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't matter. They have a montage where he learns how to become a master of disguise. There is exactly one very racist disguise, of course, where he plays nope. a snake char- charmer. More, more than one, but... Yeah. What's the other one? Well, I mean, the whole thing is them doing a bad... At- his normal state is a racist Italian depiction. That's true. Like, he is... <laughs> they, there's every everything racist in this, just about. Yeah, okay, the, that's Only fair. when he's impersonating uh, the, the guy from Jaws, I guess. Is he not being racist? <laughs> oh, and George Bush. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, somehow even I found that offensive, which is just wild. Because it's not even a good version of his George Bush. No. He can do good impressions. I can't get over that. You gotta fast. let me get through this recap. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, he learns how to become a master disguise and also how to slap because apparently you can't hit open, you can't hit closed fist in the disguisey family. He also hires an assistant, Jennifer Baker, played by uh, by Jennifer Esposito. I want to point out that he gets an assistant because every master disguise apprentice level one deserves an assistant. Is what they say. Yeah. And Jennifer is Bar- Barney's mom. I really thought Barney, I couldn't remember this woman at all in my remembering of this movie. Jennifer is Barney's mom. Um, and they immediately sexually harass her during her interview. Yeah. And it's very bad. Uh, Jennifer's yeah. boyfriend, Trent, is also a jerk. I mean, almost not really, though. I understand he kind of, he does shit talk the child. But this man just, like heavily sexually harassed his girlfriend while she was looking for a job which they only pay her 20 grand a year for by the way but she does get delta dental though yeah that's pretty good that this is pre-obamacare alex i i do want to point out that he owns a restaurant in this movie so they could have she would be better off being a waitress at the restaurant do you get dental care as a waitress well true i still think it's probably more (laughs) worth it but if if I learned that someone was heavily sexually harassed at a job interview and then that boss showed up at my house, I'd be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't be acting pretty, like, really cool. No, he really does deserve to get beat up. But that that's... Yeah. He's played as a jerk because he insults Barney. I mean, the kid can't fucking skate. He I'm, can't skateboard, he's not to lying. be fair. <laughs> uh, throughout the movie... I'm going to skip a lot of like the granular points here. Throughout the movie, Jennifer is the one that finds all of the clues and does all of the heavy lifting in the investigation, including having to go through more sexual harassment by Devlin Bowman. And it's put into a very dangerous situation. The the Book of Destiny or whatever says that she has to be sexually harassed by an evil villain. So, of course, she has to because it's in the pop-up book. Uh, Pistachio is more or less during this movie just a nuisance the entire time and actively negatively impacts the investigation, including still my favorite scene. I still kind of, I, I Google at it genuinely when he dressed up as a turtle. I thought that was pretty funny. I, it insulted me as a fan of turtles. <laughs> 
in the meantime, Bowman is using Fabrizio's disguise powers to steal important American artifacts like the Constitution. Keep in mind, this is before National Treasure and the Liberty Bell and like the lunar, like the Apollo module. He also steals the Mona Lisa and some other stuff. Yeah, some other see. stuff, but we only see the American mm-hmm. stuff. And the Mona Lisa. That, that's fair. Okay. But all this, this whole time he's disgu- uh, disguising himself as celebrities like Jessica Simpson. Very important celebrities. And Jesse Ventura. <laughs> well, I think while he was still governor. Which yeah, is... he was still governor. Um, Pistachio's mama, who's played by? Eddie McClurg. Edie or Eddie? Probably Edie, huh? Yeah, probably Edie. So Pistachio's mama is being drugged with caramel corn to believe she's still cooking at home under the threat of Bowman's guards to keep Fabrizio from, you know, acting out. Again, a very sexist trope. It's fine. Let's keep going. The only useful thing that Pistachio does is slap Trent when they catch him cheating on Jennifer with Sophia, um, the woman who broke up with, well, didn't even break up with Pistachio at the beginning, but said she wasn't interested. Yeah, the the woman who Pistachio just talked about how fat her ass is a bunch, and she had to go to his workplace and be like, please stop talking to me. Yeah, and this is apparently impressive enough to Jennifer that she kisses Pistachio, but then Devlin Bowman kidnaps her and uses her as a spokesmodel for the auction of all these artifacts. So she becomes another damsel in distress, and Pistachio rescues Jennifer while everything is being broadcast live on TV, and we get a fun... Keenan Thompson cameo. Again, nothing happens with this movie. I think he might be the most famous person in this movie at this point. <laughs> Jessica Simpson was famous, please. Was. Keenan Thompson is famous now and funny, which is untrue of oh. everyone else in this film. Oh, ouch. I was an extra in this movie. I wasn't going to say it, but. <laughs> um. Pistachio rescues Jennifer, um, and he has to fight his dad, who has been corrupted by the dark side of Energico, which is like the Force, but for disguise. It was only Uh, mentioned like once in the beginning, and then they did this whole Star Wars reference. And it wasn't a reference. It was them saying in character, oh, it works exactly like Star Wars. I get it. Yeah. Anyway, he's been corrupted to believe that he is Devlin Bowman, but then Pistachio puts his underwear on his head just like he did at the beginning of the movie to snap him out of it. And then Pistachio, Fabrizio, and Grandpapa go to Costa Rica and murder Devlin Bowman to get the Constitution (laughs) back. (laughs) And there is a horrendously long end credit scene where we learn that there were a ton of deleted scenes that make this movie incredibly more baffling and offensive. Yeah, I shouted at the movie to end by the end of it, getting visibly angry at the fact that the end credit scene wouldn't fucking end. I was losing my cool. They gave you no solace through the credits to just like not have it happening to you. <laughs> like legitimately, it started feeling like torture and it was just going to keep going. <laughs> and like, I was like, maybe it's a joke about how like, this movie sucks so bad they're not letting it end, but like there is no no nod or a wink, nothing. Well, and the movie's only 80 minutes long somehow. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> it let me go. <laughs> I actually, I pointed out um, in the opening sequence, like when they're doing the flip of characters, that I, I it was unbelievably long. I couldn't believe how long they were playing that song and just letting that opening go. Yeah, they played that entire song. 
in the beginning. Which had to be 12 minutes long. It felt like 12 minutes. That's because this movie has the capabilities of warping time around itself with just the intense gravity of how heavy the lack of comedy feels. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to talk about first, which is like, I guess the fact that he uses his power in the exact opposite way that it should be used. Like, he's a master of disguise, so every scene involves him putting on a bright costume and then just screaming at people, <laughs> random non-sequiturs, right. to get attention on him. Like, that's not what I would use disguises for. I would sneak places. Jackie, do you think that this, this movie was named ironically? I mean, I through the whole movie, I was just so baffled at... Why doesn't he get to turn into Jessica Simpson? Why is it just why is it just him in some like blackface or like a wig? Why doesn't so he's not a master of disguise. It's got to be ironic. Or maybe it was named after like his dad or his grandma or grandpa, I mean. Maybe. It's still they celebrate his his victory. His grandpapa which it annoys me that they call him Grandpapa through the whole movie, comes to the ending scene and just says, I'm here to watch your first victory. And then he... So I think I have to describe to people if they are not willing to watch this torture. They don't just disguise themselves. They have a mantra that allows them to become someone else and have their skills and abilities. And he just doesn't do it. No, he becomes a cherry pie at one point and also like some grass and a piece of cow poop yeah but in the end he's supposed to be i think bruce lee and then he just slaps people in the face like he was already doing changing nothing about his abilities they they also set up like this whole magic thing like the grandpa uses like magic to make a bubble with a hologram of his face there is yeah. no other magic in this movie <laughs> yeah well and then they talk about the the energy which is just sounds like a racist way to say energy. No, um, it, which... it's it's Italian for like the force. <laughs> are you are you sure or are you defending this movie? Uh, I'm not sure, but I can look it up. Let's see. Uh, force in Italian is vigor. It is a racist way to say energy. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down one good thing about this movie, and it was that Data has beautiful eyes. It's true. His eyes are so blue. Yeah. Um, I looked it up. Energico, it's energico. It is an adjective that means energetic mm. or vigorous. The burst of energy or power to disguise oneself derived from an edible source, says Urban Dis Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> what? A hashtag cannoli. Now, it seems pretty, pretty much like like uh, most people see it as a racist thing. Usually, Jackie, we talk about more in-depth things on this, but there's just not too much of depth for this movie. How could you? I feel like I'm ragging on it too much. I mean, you cannot rag on this movie too much. Everything about it was bad. It is amazing how much bad they put into this movie. I, I do want to talk about this point, that this movie really highlights the absolute incompetence of men and the complete competence of women. Um, at least the complete competence of Jennifer and the absolute incompetence of Pistachio. Well, I, I would disagree because it shows that a competent woman is still forced to marry some shitty dude based on social contracts and get no uh, positive outcome for doing well in life. Because mm -hmm. they literally have it in the book that now they have to get married. Yeah, I mean, 
It's in the book. God. I mean, maybe the book could be like a metaphor for the, the social contract of letting people who suck still like, I don't know, be garbage human beings all the time. Well, I, I think the the book there is, um, if we are going to, I, I really don't think this movie tried to have a lot of meaning at all. Um, it set up some stuff that it could have been, but it didn't get there. But that book could represent the strict social roles that somebody is supposed to be in, specifically a woman. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Or even what a single mother has to deal with in order to uh, provide. That, that could be something. Yeah, I mean, that's what it really seems like to me. I mean, she it, she only gets with Pistachio after Trent essentially leaves her by cheating on her. Uh, mm-hmm. She is constantly concerned about the stability of her son's life. She's worried about the dental because she wants to get work done for herself and for her son. And... Yeah, it's it's one thing I wrote down is that the the big muscly waiter who makes fun of him a little, his name is Rex, which means king. And then he makes out with a girl that he calls queen. And then uh, the term he uses for like a big ass, which is, I think, love cake. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something there, but I don't really think so. I just don't think anything about this movie makes any sense at all. They had a weird like exorcist nod yeah yeah i I, that was the one thing i was like i kind of gassed i was like wait a second what's happening with this movie are we gonna have some like horror themes in here mixed in so that's the thing we've we've noticed a trend in these movies that there's always a horror reference in adam sandler movies and happy madison movies really yeah alex do you want to give a little bit of a rundown of some of those horror references that we found yeah, I also want to point out there is a uh, Sasquatch in the beginning of the film. Oh. Yeah, um, Waterboy has about 50 of them. Not Sasquatches, but, but, but yeah, uh, horror, horror movie references. references. Yeah, Kathy Bates is in Waterboy, Jackie. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Jackie is a big Stephen King fan. Yeah, they have right. a psycho reference um, when talking with the coach. Um, the movie Little Nicky, there's a psycho in a bird's poster. Um, that one also has just kind of demonic stuff going on. Adam Sandler, a big horror buff? It seems like it. Uh, the animal has a werewolf in London thing going on when he when he animals out. Hmm. Yeah, there's I, there's like 50 more, but honestly, my brain is just melted from this movie. <laughs> Mine too. I, I think literally, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. The thing I think I find most interesting is a fact I told Jess earlier is that this film was being filmed when 9-11 happened and the yeah. turtle scene while he was in costume dana carvey had everyone stop for a moment of silence not getting out of his turtle costume and then they oh. went back to shooting my god <laughs> because this movie is depraved they didn't stop filming maybe that's why that scene seems so joyless well i mean i i don't see joy in most i mean also where where was the funny supposed to be he just makes high-pitched trilling noises that's funny i liked that scene still i would watch that scene and that scene only again i mean and that is the the iconic scene in the movie and it's that's so eerie that it was filmed on 9-11. And it just doesn't make any sense in the middle of the movie either. Especially the cutaway with him just breakdancing after he bit some guy's nose off and spat it back on his face. Yeah, I think that they, they've shortened this movie too much. They cut too much out of it just to make it 80 minutes. <laughs> you shut the fuck up. No, they didn't. <laughs> it could have been 10 minutes long. It would have been too long. 
<laughs> no, they they had some potential with some of the themes. Like one of the themes that they set up and then just never follow through on is that Pistachio always mimics and mocks other people, but he doesn't know mm-hmm. who he is. But they never follow through on that. They they show that he mimics and mocks mostly macho people, like the Texan mm-hmm. at the restaurant and Trent. They never follow through on that. They they never follow through on the idea that it's never the master of disguise. That it's like the assistant who does all the cool stuff. They could have had something cool going on with that, like with Mama, like actually being behind the scenes and doing stuff the whole time instead of just being brainwashed most of the time. If they had the movie have a twist where the grandmother was a master of disguise cooking the whole time while Mama actually was saving the day. And they're just like, no, our son sucks. Like, of course he couldn't have helped. I think this would be a 10 out of 10 movie. If they just ended it by saying, like, our, our kid was just, like, a good distraction, that kid could never be a master of disguise. He's terrible at this. Yeah. It'd be way better. That'd make so much more sense. That's actually something we wanted to talk about, is what ways could this movie have been salvaged? <laughs> I think that's my first my, my first go for of why one way it could be salvaged, is talk about how Dana Carvey sucks at the end. Here's another way it could be better. The dog, the cuteness. Mm -hmm. There's a hint at the end of the movie that the cuteness was really a master of disguise in disguise. If the dog had turned out to be the master of disguise, the titular master of disguise, and saved the day at the end, now that would have been a good movie. Talking dog movie, perfect. 10 out of 10. What what hint were you... Are you saying there was a hint? Yeah, in the end credit scene, they had like the dog talk. Oh, okay, yeah. So it seemed to imply that they had something in there where the dog was going to be a person. Okay. Can I just say their tagline for this movie was disguise the limit? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) As if it couldn't get any worse. (laughs) Oh, man. I think Devlin Bowman, his character is great. In fact, I think I would watch a whole movie with just Fabrizio and Devlin Bowman going and stealing a bunch of stuff as different celebrities. That would have been a better movie. The fact that they're they're funny thing to do with Devlin Bowman, who, uh, Brent, is it Spiner or Spinner? Do you know? Spinner, I think. He's a good actor, and I like him. Like I said, he played Data on Star Trek, who's uh-huh. the coolest. It, it goes Kirk, then Data. But the only thing they let him do funny was pretend to be an evil version of himself, which is maybe a Star Trek reference, but also was pretty good. Um, and then every other joke he was allowed to do was when he did an evil laugh, he would suddenly stop because he farted. Like, that was the level of comedy they let him bring. Yeah, but I like that. A talented actor. You're just lying. He knew what he was getting into. (laughs) Yeah, Jackie liked it too. I agree. Those were like my laugh moments in the movie. The rest was just mind-numbing. I can't think of anything else to save the movie. (laughs) They could have also played on the idea that, like, they always had celebrities Fabrizio was disguised as celebrities every time when when he stole stuff, showing how celebrities are able to get away with anything mm. because we we worship them, them so much. And maybe yeah. that's why we let Dana Carvey get away with making this movie. That's an interesting take. So this movie did steal $40 million from people um, because that's how much it made in the box office. And it obviously deserved to make $0. And in fact... <laughs> Should have paid some people for their time. Well, we spent $4 on it today renting it, so... Uh, that's true. Um, which I will apologize for. Yeah, I'm going to actually um, 
I'm going to spend four more dollars to put into the bail project just to wash away the sin. Yeah, I mean, we've we've already <laughs> donated that, but I do feel like morally responsible for wasting money right now. Yeah, I, I might just not eat tomorrow. <laughs> Fast as a penance. <laughs> well. That's another thing, too. Speaking of fasting through penances and sins and stuff, what's with all the weird Illuminati references? Yeah, like the weird eye, Illuminati eye in the beginning. Why Why didn't they do something with that? Yeah, so there was like this whole thing where they kept, they basically were like, hey, this is kind of like Assassin's Creed, the video game. But then they're like, or is it? And then they would Illuminati eye, like star swipe across the screen. Because they couldn't just edit the film normal. They had to have this weird Illuminati eye. And I don't get any of it. That's like, is maybe this is just an Illuminati movie and it's not for us. Yeah, maybe if we play it backwards. It's an Illuminati movie for the kids. It's not meant for us. <laughs> I will say, if you if you Google Illuminati Master of Disguise, there's people talking about it. So. What? Okay, hold on. We got to take it. <laughs> because there's so little to talk about. We got to look that up. Oh, oh. I don't like the <laughs> some of some of the Google searches are pretty bad though. Masonry and reptilianism in Dana Carvey's Master of Disguise. He does become a reptile at one point. Yeah, but that that's a racist thing. That's anti-Semitic, I should say. So is this movie though? Is the movie anti-Semitic? The movie's oh, racist. No, I, was, I was saying the movie was racist. I I don't specifically remember something that was anti-Semitic, but like. It probably did. <laughs> I'd be I'd be willing to guess it kind of did. Now, what I think is interesting is that this movie came before Assassin's Creed and it came before National Treasure. And I think it came before that Dan Brown book. What's that called? Da Vinci Code. When did the Da Vinci Code come out? Uh, 2000. Never mind. It came after the Da Vinci Code. Stealing stuff isn't that, that big a stretch. I mean, they made a Mission Impossible reference and a Goldeneye reference. I'm not saying that this movie stole from the Da Vinci Code. I'm saying that Assassin's Creed and National Treasure stole from this movie. So I think stealing the Constitution is not it is a common idea. Just you steal some heirlooms. People have been doing that. That's fine. Assassin's Creed I could totally see being a ripoff of Master of Disguise. Because I once tried to listen to all the cutscenes of that game. To figure out the plot, and I am much more confused now. <laughs> Do you know the the Greek gods were aliens that sent magic back to Earth? Yeah, Prometheus. Yeah, there, there's some crazy nonsense in that stuff. That tracks. Why don't they hit with a closed fist? Is it just so that it would keep a PG rating? Is that what that was about? I don't know. Jackie, what do you think? I mean, that doesn't, I don't think that would affect the rating in any way. Um, but apparently it's a really great way to ward off a big group of ninjas after only <laughs> doing like three moves total. They all back off and they're like, oh, never mind. I don't know if I would want to fight a person who's just slapping and saying, who's your daddy? I mean, they could have even done a Matrix reference there or any fighting movie reference, but instead had him slap and it would have been imagine if in that scene they do a karate kid where a guy comes up to him and he puts both his hands up and when the guy moves he just slapped him in the face that would have been hilarious that would have been good 
I don't know. This movie could have been just so much better if you change everything about it. When when you're making a movie that's all impressions, how do they not do more homages to movies? Well, the like, thing is, they did. They didn't make any sense. Yeah. The Jaws guy? What? Was that in there? They, they had to add a pond into a party to have a Jaws man in a boat in. But then in the places where they could have done references, they didn't. Like, in the Star Wars scene, when... He's, you know, hanging from the lunar module. Like, mm. they take that almost, like, step by step from the Darth Vader-Luke fight in episode five. Yeah. And they even have the Darth Vader sound behind him. They could have mm. they could have done some references there, but they didn't. They just had that in there. No, they, they literally said, just like Star Wars, instead of doing a reference. Yeah, like, instead of doing a voice, you mean. No, like, it was... I mean, yeah, they had some breathing in the back, but... No, like the choreography, like the staging was the same as that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was flipped, mirrored. But what I'm saying is like they could have done the scene Star Wars-y, but instead they were like, this is just like Star Wars and then had them fall off something kind of like they didn't actually do a Star Wars thing. They just said they were going to and then kind of almost did, but like didn't. Just like Ryan Johnson, am I right, guys? <laughs> I like that movie a lot. <laughs> I did too. I was just making a geek joke. <laughs> yeah. Also, why would he pick Tony Montana to, to go to a fancy dress-up party? That's not what Tony Montana was known for. He wasn't a fancy dress-up man. Maybe there was something about cocaine that they mentioned in Cut when they decided that they wanted this to be a kid's movie. Oh, maybe. It have been funnier. Why cut that out? He does a British spy after. Like, it just makes no sense. Do the British spy at the fancy dress party. Yeah, that would have been good. His British spy was like my favorite one. I, I might watch a whole movie where he's just that British spy. Could I, could I get, get you guys to rank uh, which impression is best? Sure. Okay, um, let's, let's start with uh, Grammy Num Num. That's one of the tops for me. You, oh, you liked Grammy Num I like Grammy Num Nums. I hated oh. them. Yeah, no, that's probably, aside from the the really offensive ones, probably my least favorite. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'm alone in that one. <laughs> All right, Tony Montana? One of the lowest. Not even a good Tony Montana. Doesn't make sense. I think I hate it so much, and it <laughs> makes so little sense that I kind of like it. Like, it's almost funny, but not. It is, is the dance scene he does as tony montana montana um which was chore chore say the word for me please choreographed by paula abdul wait yeah paula abdul choreographed that scene (laughs) that's one of the scenes that we learn in the during credits scene that was much longer yeah so that one that one didn't quite do it for you the end credit toy man the yeah do you have an opinion on overweight toy man He wasn't even in the movie, so he doesn't even get to count. I don't know who he is. I would say he's the best uh, right now. That was my favorite character based on that. Oh, actually, uh, what what about Inspector Gadget? Was that a character or was he just wearing a cool headset? I think he was just wearing a cool headset at that point. Are you talking about Uh, when he was dumpster diving? Yeah. And you had the extendo arm that he grabbed a cigar with that was only a foot away from him. I Uh, think that was just some gadget stuff. Okay. He has gadgets, apparently. Um, George Bush? I guess that one was only good because we just know Dana Carvey 
um, his impression of George W. So they just threw it in for like, the adults to be like, oh, yeah, haha, okay, great. I will point out um, the, the fat toy man is on the movie poster for the movie. <laughs> they did mention, again, they mentioned that that antiques thing was supposed to be like toys and whatever. Yeah. And then they did not bring toys. They brought an old lady, um, which was the Grammy num num, of course. Uh, what about uh, Barbarian Taxman? He was creepy. I don't like yeah, that. That, that, no. that one wasn't fun at all. No. <laughs> he was too real is the problem. Like for how ridiculous he was, he was too real because I hate it when people say I won't bite. It's my least favorite thing that people say. Oh my God. Yeah. If you want me to be scared of you, say you won't bite me. <laughs> like I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking that you were going to bite me. You brought that into my conscience. <laughs> now now I think you're going to bite me. Does it count as a impression of the nutty professor? The scene where they just stole from the nutty professor where he's flying around in the air? Not an impression, just a inflatable oh. fat suit. Yeah. Well, I mean that is the entirety of that movie, The Nutty Professor. Which, from on this side of uh, Master of Disguise, it must be a 10 out of 10 movie. <laughs> huh. uh, God, I hate this movie so much. Uh, what about uh, Literal Pile of Shit? Is, is that up or down? <laughs> That's up, because like... I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> the movie did a great impression of being a literal pile of shit. Yeah. Best impression of the whole movie. You asked about oh. the turtle, but then you didn't go back to the turtle. The turtle was my favorite one. I found it horrible, although it, it did seem like they might have filmed it in a place where uh, like most of the people didn't know it was a movie set because they were just like, hey, is like your friend OK? <laughs> <laughs> and that was not the time, my man, <laughs> with the room. It was everything about this movie is pretty rough. I don't, I don't have anything else for it. OK, here's here is my ideal The Master Disguise plot. Okay, so follow along. Okay. The movie does not start with us knowing that he is going to be a master disguise. Doesn't start with the dad mm -hmm. thing, okay? Mm -hmm. It starts with Pistachio being a waiter, and he has a hard time fitting in. It really plays on that. And he, he always mimics people and mocks people when he gets into a high level of emotion. Like when he's feeling embarrassed or when he's feeling sad or angry. So we would see him mimic Sophia. We would see him mimic rex the waiter we'd see him mimic all the people that are like kind of mean to him mm -hmm. and we'd see the dad get like really hard on him like you you can't you have to just be yourself like you just need to be yourself okay and he would get really onto him about that um same plot would happen that his parents are kidnapped oh one thing that we would see the thing that he does on his free time is that he makes prank calls to 911 all the time with different impressions like really good impressions because dana carvey can do good impressions and i mean i'm i don't anymore believe that i know there is proof of it out there but I'm, <laughs> i think he might have lost it but you have to imagine that this is this is the ideal master disguise movie okay okay so we, yeah. we see him making prank calls maybe he even made made prank calls with sophia like maybe we could see that bar scene where he's like actually getting along with sophia but he's still not being himself because he's making these prank calls and 911 mm -hmm. like blocks his number or something or they like they recognize his voice and now they just hang up on him so when he tries to report the kidnapping, they don't listen because they think that he's just joking again and doing another character. Or like he's feeling a lot of emotion, so he does another character. 
I will point out in this movie, 911 hangs up on him for doing such a racist depiction of an Italian person. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like canonical in the movie. Which... But they would play it. Oh, in my in my good version too, he would not speak in an accent. Just putting that out there. He would not be Italian. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why does he have that accent? <laughs> he grew up in New York. Yeah. Like his mom doesn't have an accent. Like, come on. <laughs> um, anyway. So he would be sitting there just not being able to express what happened because he keeps because he's so emotional. He would keep getting into these other voices. And then his grandpa comes along and his grandpa says, no, this is your power. When you are at a high state of your emotions, fuel your your disguise powers. Um, You need to tap into your raw emotion. You need to learn how to control it. And then you can literally become another person. So they have that montage where he. He learns how to become another person, but they do better impressions because keep in mind, again, this is the ideal master disguise movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead of Jennifer being the assistant, they still get an assistant, but it's Barney. Okay. Yeah. That seems more on his intellectual level. Yeah. It's Barney and the cuteness. They're like his, his sidekicks and the cuteness is there the whole time because dogs are always good in movies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we also learned that this emotion thing is like a magic type thing. We can still have the energy go, but we would play it up a little bit more um, with all of that. And uh, he would he would have a hard time being a master of disguise because any time that he did get flustered, he would break into another character and you could get some really goofy stuff with that. Like he's dressed as one character, but doing the voice of another. I think you could have some fun with that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and that's also why he has such a hard time with the slapping thing because it makes him feel bad. Um, and that brings him into his, like, you know, his, his emotional state. Uh, you can follow pretty much the same plot with them finding the clues, but along the way, like they follow the clues to where Fabrizio, like where the dad is stealing these things. They could follow the trail and, they could have run-ins with the dad and maybe the first time he doesn't realize that it's his dad. But after that he does. And he starts like trying to uh, like fight him or try to get him back. But the dad is having a conflict of identity because of something that the villain did. Uh, So the dad doesn't know who he is right now. He's too in character because he wants to save his wife. Okay. Following. Yep. 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 All right. Better movie so far still, right? Anything's better than the original. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Movie plays out pretty much the same way. Like that toy scene could be like one of the first places where they have a conflict with the dad and they fight. And the the grand showdown pretty much goes the same way, except the kid has been kidnapped and Pistachio is feeling so distraught because he feels like he should have done something to protect Barney. And he just can't tap into his disguise thing again and then he remembers something that his dad said you just have to be yourself and he goes in just as himself and he kicks ass at at that place um until he has to have a showdown with his dad and his the showdown with his dad are them being completely emotional and they're just like switching in and out of different characters and fighting in different styles you could get the karate kid thing with that and everything you could get all those movie references the matrix etc and in the in that showdown, Devlin does get away. Uh, the movie ends pretty much the same way, except they find out that all along it was the mom who was the dog 
And the mom tells Pistachio that this is just some training uh, to help him become a master disguise. Uh, and then they go to Costa Rica and they murder Devil and Bowman to get the Constitution back. Uh, and they do it okay. as George W. Bush because that's ironic. Right. I think they, they do it as George W. Bush to get him impeached. They're like, dude, that's good. George yeah. Bush just murdered a dude. <laughs> like, and we filmed it um in another country in fact <laughs> yeah that's some extrajudicial shit right there all right so i have my movie pitch now for you but okay. give me one minute i have to hit the bathroom oh okay because it's been an hour and 20 minutes yeah jackie you usually we we like talk about deep themes and things but this movie just didn't no, and I was trying to think think of things too. I'm like furiously writing notes because I'm like, how am I going to say anything is coherent about this movie? Yeah. Not possible. It's just not. None of it makes sense. Also, what happened with the grandpa too? He started in this movie and then you no, know, they like wrote him out and he <laughs> never appeared again in the rest of the movie. I know. None of it makes sense. They didn't proofread it. They just snipped it together a couple of scenes and they sent it off. I feel like it had to have gotten like some sort of big rewrite that happened because it really felt like they were setting Barney up to be the assistant. Yeah. And then they were like, no, there needs to be a love interest. Like, I feel like that was shoehorned in so much too. Yeah, we could have definitely done without the love interest. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been Barney and the cuteness. <laughs> That would have been so much better and made so much more sense. They could have even had the cuteness be the mom in the end. Like they have Barney become the assistant. And she was like, no, I don't want Barney to be the assistant. And then the cuteness turns out to be her all along. So like, I was, I'm a master disguise too. I was just keeping an eye on my son. You did a good job. Ooh, <laughs> sure. <It could. laughs> okay. Are you, re- are you ready for my movie pitch? Yeah. All right. So this is the master disguise dark comedy edition. Because I think that's the best way to make it funny. It opens with the father with a gun going through and killing a bunch of people. Then arresting Bowen. He is an MI6 agent. And then after that, everyone's celebrating him. And they're saying, where do you want to to go in your retirement? He's like, I've always heard good things about New York. And he retires from MI6 with a new name in New York. Opens up a pizza place where they don't uh, sell, like, uh, what, what was that? Corned beef uh, cannolis? <laughs> Corned beef like, ravioli, yeah. Yeah, they don't have just, like, weird Italian-sounding stuff. The guy is passionate about cooking. Fine. He raises a son, who is played by Jim Carrey, by the way, because I just don't think Dana Carvey could carry my movie. <laughs> they, they thought about Jim Carrey for this movie, and he's better at impressions, let's be honest. And they show him waiting tables, um, which they did show Dana Carvey waiting tables and tried to say he was good at it by him carrying six plates, which is not the sign of a good uh, server. It's just like something a lot of people can do. And what Jim Carrey is doing is going table to table, mimicking people's accents in order to make them feel more welcome to get better tips. Uh, You you could have some good stuff where he does, you know, like a Christopher Walken accent because that's the best one. He goes Western. He does a Robert De Niro. And he could even be doing little bits of stand up for them to be like a funny guy. Yeah, there's no reason that that restaurant couldn't be frequented by celebrities, too. Yes, like that that would have been a good way to have celebrities in the movie. Like, I would love to watch Jim Carrey wait on Christopher Walken as Christopher Walken, the 
what will you be having would be a great time. <laughs> Jackie, hold on. I want you to do something for me, okay? Okay. Jackie. <laughs> oh, I know where this is going. I always make fun of Jackie because she can oh, only no. do one or two accents. She can only do Sean Connery and she can only do Dracula. Jackie, I would like for you to choose either Sean Connery or Dracula to wait on Christopher Walken at an Italian restaurant. You're the server, Jackie, and and Alex, you're Christopher Walken, and you are ordering, I don't know, spaghetti and meatballs or whatever. And action. Wait, first, you said Dracula or Sean Connery. To me, they're the same voice. So I'm yeah, okay. Try my best. Do your voice. You do your voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, do, you do the voice. Oh, no. Um, oh, oh, by the way, uh, Dracula slash Sean Connery, uh, you're a single mom. You're just trying to make ends meet. You're, you're mouthing it. You're going too far with it. You have to let it happen. <laughs> and single salmon m- is the special. Salmon is the special. Um... Push the salmon. Um, <laughs> uh, sure, we, we've got, uh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> we got uh, some uh, salmon and um, some on the special. What would you like? <laughs> Walking, it's your line. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> yeah. It starts off Dracula, and then it will slowly shift to Sean Connery. Does the salmon come with soup and salad? Or soup or salad? Comes. <laughs> All right, I can't scene. do this. We're good. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it Thank, you. Thank you for a, indulging a, me. It was 100% no. my energy to say that line. Energico? Uh, yeah, all my energico. Okay, next no. scene, by the way, is Jim Carrey doing impressions at a open mic where he talks to the girl and she thinks it's funny and he thinks it's going somewhere. But she's like, well, you're, you're just waiting tables and trying to be a comedian. There's nothing cool about that. I'm here for tough guys. Um, and then old mobsters break into the restaurant, kidnap his mother and his father. He comes back. He's distraught. This is when the woman comes in, uh, Jennifer Espetit. Uh, uh, Jennifer, I don't remember her name. Um, comes in and she says that he was very funny last night and she really likes him and would like to hang out. Um, and even though he's distraught, he goes to hang out with her and she puts. Uh, uh, and then they both get kidnapped by MI6, and they say, "We saw your impressions. You look just like your father." And we can get you into all these places. We have technology. They do the Mission Impossible stuff of face switching. And they say the most important skill for an agent is to pretend like you belong somewhere. So if you do these impressions and really nail them, you can break in. They go through most of this movie with him actually being a master of disguise. Um, the, The girl who's been brought along is helping him. But it's, like, really awkward, and he, she's putting herself in danger, and he has to go, like... When she gets caught by the bad guys, that's why he goes in. And it's this whole, like, he's trying to save her at the same time thing. And then, at the end of the movie, you realize she's the master disguise and was an MI6 agent the whole time, pushing him into the field in order to get something done. His parents were never in trouble. It was all sham. They just needed him to act like a young self, and they were the bad guys the whole time. That's my whole movie. <laughs> I like it. Jackie, what's 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 your pitch for a good master disguise movie? Um, I wait. 
all away and never talk about it again. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, it, yes, doing more of a, you know, character building with Pistachio. He goes from, oh, I just can't stop making these impressions to all of a sudden now he's a master of disguise and nothing else happens with him. He doesn't get better. I need to see more of a building and more of a backstory as to why he's not comfortable you know, with himself and feels this need to change. I, I, I know I don't know how to make it how to make it better. If you're trying to keep it even close to the same movie, yeah. I, I want to change mine to he hires a makeup artist because that's the part of himself he can't change is what he looks like. And the the oh. girl is a makeup artist, but turns out to be an MI six agent all the time. No, yeah, um, and and no magic in my movie. Hmm. See, for me, I'm a producer. I'm a Hollywood producer, okay? Mm-hmm. You gotta have the magic. You, you need the magic. Mm-hmm. Early 2000s, so we're a trying time. You gotta have a little bit of magic. Okay, wh- what about this? The entire movie, he plays as the racist Indian stereotype. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Okay. Just just throwing it out there, seeing what <laughs> okay. fan reactions. So here's a theory of mine, Okay. Okay. Before I watched this movie, Alex, you made me watch You Like It to Juice, the <laughs> skit from SNL. Which they do reference at the end. They do. It was, one of... was Dana Carvey in that scene? No. It was Mike Myers. It was, uh, what's his name? Yeah, it was uh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander, Rob Adam Schneider, Sandler. Chris Farley. Chris Farley. And that was it. Unless Dana, uh, unless Dana Carvey was um, the person on the phone. No. It wasn't, though. So that skit is all about grinding a joke that's just a silly voice, mm-hmm. like, as far as possible. Even going meta and saying, like, hey, can you guys end the skit right now? Like, they say that in character. Mm-hmm. David Spade comes in and, and asks him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if that was just this movie? It keeps going and keeps going until you're like, okay, haha. Let's stop, please. I mean, they kind of do say, like, in the movie, Sophia goes, voices and the funny faces were funny for one second. Like, <laughs> they know that it's not funny. They admit to it. Yeah. And again, too, like, there is no other time in the movie that anyone is impressed by these impressions. Huh. Even Barney is not impressed by the Shrek and Donkey impressions. Right. And me as a kid, if I were Barney's age and, and someone came up and did a really good Shrek and Donkey impression, I would laugh. Oh, we know that. That doesn't mean it's a good impression. It wasn't a very good Shrek impression. I thought it was brilliant. So I will say, <laughs> interestingly enough, there is a second uh, You Like a Deduce uh, skit called Hub's I say Yairo, uh, the search for more juice. So there is another seven minute skit, it looks like, where they just search for more juice. So they already did that, <laughs> is yeah. what I'm saying. They already pushed the joke longer. But then they, they extended it. This is the extended, you like the juice universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I had more to talk about. Because no. this, movie, this movie just doesn't have meat. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't have man-sized meatballs. No man-sized meatballs in this movie. I was really hoping that they were going to play into some of these themes of masculinity and just being yourself because they set it up like that in the beginning. Yep. And they just don't follow through. 
Um, they they do make an ask Jeeves joke at one point though, so that was pretty good. They had their they had their finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist. Yeah, in two thousand two, ask Jeeves was still really popular, right? Yeah. This is why, at a certain age, I think you should stop making creative stuff. Let's, but at Alex, least for the public. Isn't that like what this whole podcast is about, though? We're like asking whether or not Adam Sandler deserves the hate that he gets. Well, I would say. How old is Adam Sandler compared to Dana Carvey? This is Dana Carvey proving he, he's too old to do it. Okay, that's fair. I'm trying to find this soundtrack again. Because uh, <laughs> I want to I mean, know how many original songs there were. If, if, we're, if I'm right on this, in 2013 is when Adam Sandler should stop making movies. <laughs> or at least funny movies. I was gonna say i think in a serious roles i i like him a lot i've heard uncut gemstones is really good oh yeah it was really good yeah i like all the serious stuff i'm i'm just saying i think maybe at the point where like jack and jill happened that that's where i draw the line i think at this point i am going to like jack and jill more than this movie probably will I, I'm, I'm still at the point where I cannot fathom a worse movie than this because anything like made worse than this will be uh, like ironically funny, I think. Yeah, you'll get more than two or three laughs. Four original songs. <laughs> oh, man. You must have put more work into the songs than the actual movie itself. There's M-A-S-T-E-R parts one and two. Ugh. Okay. Um, there is M-O-D. And there is Master Disguise, written by and performed by Vitamin C. Oh, dude, Vitamin C's a banger. Jackie, do you have anything else to say about this movie? And not, I'm just, I'm just kind of sad, really, because I, I was expecting to rewatch this movie and love it and you know, have some good memories, but it feels tainted now, and I, I need another movie. Yeah, I'm sorry. We should invite you back to uh, an episode where we'll actually talk about something useful. Why don't you come on for the Jack and Jill one? <laughs> why, why do you want to do this to me? I just said <laughs> Jack and Jill is where I draw the line. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would try. I'll try to watch it again. I think my only memories of that movie are some weird fever dreamish memories that I'd like to forget forever. <laughs> well, I was joking. I would actually invite you back for a better movie. <laughs> but so far, the two movies that we've had guests for are the two movies that I thought that I liked a lot when I watched them the first time, but I I don't like. The other one. Yeah. Little Nikki. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, not, not great choices. <laughs> no. But there have been there have been really good movies that we've watched so far. Like I liked Mr. Deeds a lot. That was the most recent one that we watched. Hmm. And Punch Drunk Love is now in like one of my top movie lists. Yeah. And I like Fifty First Dates too. Yeah. I'm excited about rewatching that because I love Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Wind Singer was good. That was yeah. one I hadn't seen before. No, no, I'm not joking when I say that. I watched Click, and I actually did kind of cry when I watched it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not really kidding about that. It's kind of heartwarming. <laughs> Invite her for the Click episode. Because <laughs> I think we watched Click together too, didn't we, Jackie? I think so. I think we did, because we would, we would like get the on-demand videos from like Charter On Demand. Mm-hmm. I, a, a, a cheap seats theater uh, was next to the house I moved to in high school. So I watched every movie that came out that year. 
uh, and Click was the first one. I watched it alone in a theater by myself. (laughs) (laughs) At at 2 p.m., I want to say. So you were just free to let the tears loose, is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I used to longboard to the theater every, like, at least twice a week and just watch everything that came out. Saw some bad movies that way, man. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Well. Tomorrow, we're watching Eight Crazy Nights, a three-star Sandlayer film a core component of the Adam Sandler universe uh, and an animated film that I believe is a musical. Yeah, and we're going to have another guest for that one. Yes. And I have not seen Eight Crazy Nights. Have it? No. Do you like it, Jackie? I don't want to say anymore. I don't trust myself. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I like anything anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's how I feel right now. Yeah, my head actually kind of hurts. Nauseous. I think the only reason I'm not as angry is because right after we watched uh, the movie, we watched a couple episodes of the Avatar. Oh. Of Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. And that's just a, that's just a palate cleanser. That's a good show. Yeah. That's a good show. Ooh. Oh, man. Well, um, Jackie, do you have anything that you want to say as we close out? Any Anything that you want people to know or if you want to share social media, if you want to, you don't have to. Um, I mean, I don't really use social media that much, but I do want to say just please don't watch this movie. If you thought about it, you really don't want to. It's it's only 80 minutes, but it takes a lot more than that. It takes something (laughs) out of you personally. It's like the machine in Princess Bride that takes (laughs) years off of your life. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't have anything else to promote, really. I do feel like I'm going to have the flu tomorrow. <laughs> like, that's that's what this movie has done to me. Uh, yeah, I got to watch something else. Well, um, you can get a palate cleanser by going to wannabegames.com and downloading our games. Well, you can't download them straight from wannabegames.com, but you'll find links there. You can also follow this podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter or follow me at Joska on Twitter. And I am at Kitty Crusade. And I want to add, I know it seems like a non sequitur, but Black Lives Matter. Please donate to a bail fund, like a community bail fund. There are plenty of them. You can find a local one. Um, we, You have to support the protesters that are out right now fighting for justice. And um, uh, please take my wife. And that's how we end every podcast. <laughs> <laughs>